announcement on the podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy session five of our Empowered Conference. There's one person we didn't thank for this conference, and it's uh, Pastor Alex. We got to thank him as well. Thank you, my friend. You're amazing. You're amazing. There's, uh, I'm going to call out a few words of knowledge before we get stuck into tonight because there's going to be a lot of power. I sense the anointing. I sense the presence of the Lord to heal. <clears throat> Is there anybody here, you have blood noses, repetitive blood noses? Stand up if you have that. I had this strange sense in worship that people with bleeding noses are going to be instantly healed. Put your hand on your nose. It might feel a bit weird, like you're pinching it, like you're going underwater. In the authority of the name of Jesus, we command every person, and church, you know what to do. We command every person with problems in the nose that the bleeding stops today in the authority of the name of Jesus. Every person with bleeding in the nose, right here, the bleeding stops today. The bleeding stops today. The Lord Jesus healed bleeding issues. He dried up things that were not meant to be running, and He made things run that were dried. Thank you, Jesus. We declare healing of these things now. Thanks, God, in the name of Jesus. Church, you know what to do. If you're around someone there, you know exactly what to do. Get your hands dirty a bit. Put your hands on them and just release the anointing. Thank you, Jesus. We command noses that bleed improperly to be healed. Yana, just pray the presence of God would fill this area of your mind, your physical head. Thanks, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks, Lord. In Jesus' name. Okay. We have to test that somehow. I don't know how to test it. Um, <laughs> get some onions maybe or something. I don't know. I don't know how to test that one, Pastor Alex. I have no idea. Uh, there's a woman here. Uh, I believe you're having a problem with something with your skin, and it's in a very difficult area for you. It's constantly bothering you. Um, would you stand up if that is you? It's a woman. I know it's a woman. Is that you? And, and it's a, I know it's a private thing, but we're going to pray for you right now. Put your hand on her. You can come forward if you want to come forward, if that's what you were doing. But Father, we just bless this woman. Thank you, Jesus. God, you're amazing. We just saw miracles overseas where God did things that were just crazy uh, in private places and, and other places where it's unexpected that these things come. And we release healing right now. We command anything that is bothering her skin to be healed in Jesus' name. And every spirit of confusion that's been around you for the last few months, trying to torment you a little bit, I cast you off. We cast you out of her life in the authority of the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. You're not a God of confusion, but of great peace. And your reward is with you, Jesus. Thanks, Holy Spirit. Praise you, Lord. There's a man here. You have a tattoo on the upper right arm, and, uh, and you need healing in your top of your back and shoulders area neck. And, but you have a tattoo on, on your, your arm up here somewhere. And it's, it's close to where you need a healing, I guess. So who's here with that? You have tattoo up here on your arm somewhere. Is that you up there? Okay. Why don't you put your hands just in front of you. We're going to pray for you. Do you need healing in the shoulders and neck area? Yes. Up the back shoulder there? Perfect. God, bro, God loves you. Cares about you so much, man. Do you have a tattoo up there as well? Yep. Up the right arm. Exactly. Cool. Jesus, we thank you for our brother. God, he's, he's actually been serving all week. He's one, one of the ones you thanked. God, we thank you for his life in the authority of the name of Jesus. We command this sickness and this disjointed shoulder pain to be gone. 
in the spirit that people say that the right shoulder represents authority. So we command any attack against his authority in God to be just to be gone today, tonight, that would leave forever. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Father God, too, for his feet. I see the Lord bringing strength to your feet for some reason, bro. And Father, I ask you that his feet also would receive healing and just strength and grace. But God, right now, we thank you for this miracle of the healing of the right shoulder. Now, I want you to lift it up as fast as you can, bro. I believe the Lord already did something for you. Just lift your shoulder up and push it back. See how it feels right now. Thanks, Lord. What's that? I can't hear this. Feels really free, actually. Praise God. That's the Lord, man. He loves you. So good. That's wonderful. Uh, someone's hair caught my attention. There's been a person here who's suffering uh, pretty quick hair loss. There's, something's happening in your hair and you don't know why. And I believe the Lord wants to reverse that for you because um, he doesn't want you to lose all your hair. And that's, he gave it to you. So stand up if that's you. But it's been happening the last three months. It's just happening all of a sudden. And I believe it's related to some stress stuff and all that kind of junk. So is that you there? Okay, cool. God loves you. You know that? I'm just going to put my phone down because I think my alarm goes off the prayer alarm, you know, Australia for Jesus and all that stuff. Okay, let's pray for this girl. Heavenly Father, thank you for the transition you've had her in. God, I thank you for the things that have been happening in her life lately. God, I thank you. She's like the woman in the Bible, Sarah. And the woman in the Bible, Sarah, her real name means princess. It means someone treasured by God. Even if other people didn't treasure her correctly, the Lord did. And the Lord fought for her freedom, actually, with Abraham. I pray in the name of Jesus that God would help restore relationships in you, in your life, areas of brokenness in relationship. We declare right now freedom, and we pray that Jesus would come, that he would again shine his light on you, and that you would sense in your heart a deep resonance of the truth that God has redeemed you, and you're actually his daughter, his princess. And God, we thank you. She doesn't need to stress. Like Pastor Catherine preached this morning, that was just for you. I don't know if you heard it, but you should listen. Because the Lord wants to tell you that God's weapon for you is not the weapon of condemnation. God's weapon for you is encouragement. And something's been happening in your hair because of stress concerning relationships. In the authority of the name of Jesus, we command this to stop. And I command her lymph noids on, the, on her neck to be healed. The tiredness to leave her body. We command it to leave you now in Jesus' name. And I ask you, God, for a restoration of her life tonight. Thank you, Father, for this season. Even though the last three months has been difficult, God, we thank you for a reversal and a new season. We pray, Father God, that your grace, which inhabits her heart, would also inhabit her physical head, that she would stop losing hair tonight. God, I thank you. That is not your portion for her. The anointing of the Lord is her portion, her covering. Thank you, Jesus, for her relationships. And I just feel the Lord has anointed a no in you. He's anointed an ability to say yes to his will and to say no to silly things that are involving relational manipulation and just stuff like that. He's anointed you just to say no to those things, but he's anointed you to say yes to his love and to still love people and forgive people. But you're not somebody's whipping post. You're not, you're not somebody else's, you know, verbal whipping post. God has called you to understand that he's made you a daughter of the Lord. You can forgive them, but it doesn't mean you have to believe them. You can forgive, but you don't have to believe. The Lord says to you, I love you, my precious daughter. I want you once again to bring the paintbrushes like you did when you were a child. I don't know what that means. Bring the paintbrushes like you did when you were a child. Thank you, Jesus. Restore unto her the joy of her salvation. 
and grant her a willing spirit, Lord, that sustains her life. And I particularly sense the lymph node things, the things in the neck. I pray for healing in them. In the name of Jesus, we love you. God loves you. We bless you. Thanks, Holy Spirit. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Is there somebody here who was born in Box Hill? Is that you? Okay. Do you need a healing as well? No? Okay. Is there somebody else who was born in Box Hill who needs healing? I just want to... Stand up if that's you. Stand up if that's you. Sorry, you can stand as well. We'll pray for you too. Stay up. Don't worry. Really? That's awesome. Get her, Jesus. Do you, is there one of you who needs healing in your body? You have a disease. Ashimoto disease. Okay. Do you, what about you, friend? You have a cyst and it's really nothing. It's a cyst. It's a cyst, bro. God didn't say, do you have a cyst for, for breakfast? You know, like it's, it's, God wants to heal a cyst. Yeah, let's pray for his feet. It's been there for a year. Bro, that is something. And Jesus paid for that. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray for his feet. And uh, we're going to pray for you too. Is, is uh, thyroid, did you say it's a thyroid? Okay. Do you want to, you prayed for her earlier? Oh, you want to pray with me? Yeah, let's, let's pray for this lady. Thank you, Lord. And also this lady here as well, for your son. Okay, let's pray for her. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray for this disease, that God would deliver her and set her apart and set her free. And also we command the cyst on his foot to go. The word of God commands us as we are prayed for to receive as little children, to believe. Only believe, Jesus said. Remember, and you shall, you, you're a, your brother shall be raised. Only believe. Pray again, guys. Keep praying for him. Only believe. Only believe, man. What worth can you give to God that would make him heal you? Only believe. In the authority of the name of Jesus, we command the spirits of sickness that are trying to invade these people's lives. Get out of their lives now, in Jesus' name. Leave them. Leave them. Thank you, Jesus. And God, I pray that as a sign that something would happen this week, that there would be something happening with a doctor or something would happen this week. I believe one of you even has something, appointment set up soon. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus that there would be a sign that takes place in that, that God shows you. He's actually delivering you of this. Thanks, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, God. And for you standing who didn't have a sickness, thank you, Lord. I praise you, God, that in the last few years, I just feel like the Lord's saying to you, the time of being quiet is over. The time of being quiet in the hidden season is over. That the Lord, again, is raising your voice and he's, he's turning up the volume of you to preach the gospel, to start home groups, to start works, because your history is a history of starting things. You have a history of let's start this, let's try this, let's try that. And something wounded that kind of pioneering spirit. And the Lord just wants to restore that to you. So I pray, Father God, you turn the volume up on her voice and turn the anointing up on her life. And God would use you to catalyze other people like a fire. You just set other people on fire. Thank you, Jesus. Bless her, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Praise you, Father God. Praise you, Father God. Praise you, Father Praise you, Father God. I saw also in worship a girl I knew from Geelong about uh, 14, no, 13 years ago named Sarah. I saw that in worship while I was on my face. I knew her from 13 years of, ago from Geelong. She has red hair, this girl. She's a friend of mine. Is there a Sarah here? <clears throat> I just had, that's your name. That's you. I just got reminded of it then. That's awesome. Sarah, God loves you. 
Do you have red hair? No, okay. That's okay. But your name's Sarah. That's cool. The Lord just reminded me of it there. I heard that in worship as I was on my face. What's that? Your grandma has red hair. That's cool. Praise God. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Jesus. I just ask you, Father, if there's anything else, I want to make sure I stay in your flow, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord God. Yeah, there's a person on the right side here who's having problems in their teeth and in the gums, and the Lord wants to heal you as well. Who is that? It's You're over here. Awesome, man. The Lord loves you. Would you stand up? Our friend here is a, a minister as well. Would you stand up and pray with me for him? He's a pastor as well. Thank you, Jesus. Can we touch your mouth? Is that okay? Awesome. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anybody else? Somebody else stood up with gum problems? Okay. Could you put your hand on her mouth, on her, around her, her gums? You too? Is that okay if you guys can pray? Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Thanks, Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for a mouth that is filled with life. We praise you for gums that are filled with health. We ask you, Jesus, that you would heal any infective thing, any receding thing. God, I pray in the name of Jesus for miracles to flow right now. Let your wonders be done in their mouth. Let your wonders be done in their mouth. Thanks, God. Thank you, Jesus. Let your wonders, just pray for him one more time. I just sense the anointing flowing through him right now. I sense the power of God flowing through the bottom area of your mouth, through the bottom of your jaw, right up here and up here and your gums. Thanks, Lord. Thank you for the power of heaven. Thank you for the anointing. Thank you for the gums, Lord, regrowth, life. Thanks, Jesus. Be glorified in his mouth. <laughs> Be glorified in his mouth. Be glorified in his mouth. Thanks, God. Thanks, Jesus. Thank you, great Holy Spirit. <clears throat> There's a person here, um, several years ago, you had a period for about three four months where you wanted to commit suicide, you got over that period, but since then you always live with this foreboding hopelessness that nothing will ever work out for you. It's one person in particular. You had a whole period, it was like three or four months, where you were constantly, every day, thinking about suicide. And, uh, and that was a couple of years ago. You got over it, the Lord gave you victory, but there's a, a spirit bothering you. I just saw it, it's been hanging around you since then, even though you had the victory of, over suicidal thoughts. You have never had hope for the future. You always go week to week and you're extremely hopeless. And the Lord wants to, to cast tonight a demon from you. You think it's your personality. You think it's kind of your lot in life. And the demon is convincing you of that. And the real attack is not actually the attack. It's the, the focus on the enemy. That's the, it's the attack behind the attack. Does that make sense? You're always feeling attacked, but it's actually the thing behind it. It's the focus of that always feeling attacked part that the enemy sold on you. He sold it to you as your life. You have no hope. You're week to week, up and down emotionally. And the Lord tonight wants to set you free of a demon. It's a demon. And we're going to cast it out. Is that you? Okay, the Lord wants to set you free. It's a demon. When I come near you, we cast this stupid thing off your life. This is a demon. This is not you. In Jesus' name, get out of her world now. Now. Leave. Now. Leave her now. Get out of her life now. Get out of her life now. forever. In Jesus' name. Leave. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You're her friends. Pray for her. Pray for her. Fill her Holy Ghost. Fill her Holy Spirit. Oh, sorry, kids. Thank you, Jesus. There's another lady who stood up. Did you stand up as well? Okay. Thanks, Holy Ghost. It's a demon. It's a demon. It's not you. It's a demon. 
in the authority of the name of Jesus. Come out of her life now. I break the authority that you've placed in her life to focus on the evil one, not on Jesus. But you've got to let go of this. What's this stuff in your hand? Okay. Okay, that's good. Thank you, Jesus. In the authority of the name of Jesus, we command this cycle, these ways of her mind to leave. You're listening to the liar. He's a liar. You're listening to a liar. He's a liar. He's never told the truth. You need to utterly forsake everything you think and hear that could be God. It's not the Lord. Go to the Word. Go to the Word. What does the Word say? That's your foundation. And God, we ask you for a renewed mind. We bind you evil spirit that's hidden behind her thinking. I cast you out of her life. I pray for a brand new renewed mind in Jesus' name. I pray for a brand new. I declare that over you. A brand new renewed mind. Not one of hopelessness, not week to week, but one of victory. The Lord loves you. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord loves you. And you have a big mama's heart. And mothers are supposed to have hope. Mothers are the ones who help children be propelled into the future and hope. God wants to give you hope. He loves you. He loves you. God loves you. And church, together, let's break this thing. It's just a lie. No one deserves to live under those stupid things. But please never partner with it again. Never partner with it again. Remember, it's not the the weapon of Jesus. This was a a demon. It's a demon. Thanks, Lord. We praise you. We bless her. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Freedom of God. God loves you. Bless you, Jesus. You also. What's that? You suffer with alcoholism. Do you want to be free? He said he had his knife to his throat because of stuff. Do you know what, bro? When I first met Jesus, let me tell you something. I had a knife to my throat in my house. Exactly the same. I put a knife to my throat, bro. When I still, I'd already met God. And I was the same, bro. It was a demon. It's a lying thing. Jesus loves you. Let's pray for him, church. It's not just a demon. It's actually, it's actually pain. It's, he's been through a ton of stuff, man. Thank you, Jesus. Freedom in Jesus' name. Freedom in Jesus' name. God loves you, bro. He loves you. He loves you. And he's a father. He's a father who loves you. He hasn't given up on you, has he? You're here. He hasn't given up on you, friend. He adores you. So you can let all that pain out from your dad, from your childhood, all that stuff, bro. God is a father to you. He loves you. And we bind every spirit of confusion. We command it out of your life. We pray, Father, for a brand new mind, for a renewed mind. We ask you for a renewed mind. The Word of God says, and it cannot be broken, that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. It cannot be broken. The Scripture cannot be broken. Receive it. Freedom. God's a good God. 
we're just going to continue to minister to him. It's not fully finished, but you know, the thing is, we have a ministry of reconciliation. And reconciling doesn't just begin, it, it begins at someone meeting God, but it ends at someone being restored by God, you know? And so there's, there's more, there's sometimes more for us to do, but the Lord's touching our friend. That's beautiful. Thanks, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks, God. <clears throat> Pastor Alex, can you throw me on my phone? Just throw it up. I'll catch. I'm a good catch. Thanks, thanks. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> you know, as the band was singing tonight, we, we need a love revival. Do you remember what I, who was here last night? Okay, so you understand probably a bit of what I shared about Revelation chapter 2, about the Ephesus church having the best leaders in the world. But after 50 years, the church was dead. Their lamp went out. Jesus warned them in uh, Revelation 2 that if they don't repent, he'd take their lampstand away. Ten years later, the lampstand was gone. The leaders of their church were Paul the planter, Timothy the pastor, Apollos the preacher. And in the New Testament, Apollos was one of the greatest preachers. They had Priscilla and Aquila in their church. Then they had John the Revelator in their church and Mary, the mother of Jesus. That was their leadership team. But they still had the lamp out. It wasn't because of their leaders. Their leaders were burning for the Lord. It was because in their own hearts, they failed to understand the greatest commandment is God's greatest priority. They were great at works. We read it last night. I'm just giving you a brief recap. The recap was... <clears throat> that they were commended by Jesus for all they did. They were faithful, they stood, they were patient, they didn't grow weary, Jesus said. But he said, I have this against you, that you've forgotten what this is all about. You've forgotten your first love. And he commended them to remember, and he actually warned them. He said, if you don't, I'll take your lampstand away, because the lampstand is the flame of love. And this lampstand, I believe, last night the Lord really restored some of us. I mean, there's so much weeping and just joyful weeping, you know, and, and just coming back to God. What am I doing? Why aren't I joyful about church anymore? Why is church a thing I tick off? Why is my Bible something that I have to force myself to read? You know, all of a sudden you, you come back to your first love and you, can't, you, you just can't wait to read Jesus in print, can you? You know, you just want to look into God. You're reading not just to find out what you can say to people that sounds like kingdom language. You're reading to find him. Because you love him. You're fascinated by God. And I feel like the Lord restored that last night. This holy fascination. It was beautiful. And, uh, and tonight, I want to talk about part two. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And the loving of our neighbor is very, very important. Because the way our love for Jesus is reflected is in our love for people. And if the first one is correct, the second one usually is also. If the intimate love for Jesus is strong, the judgment of people becomes weak. Now, I don't mean that we don't judge righteously. The Word of God commands us to love, that is tolerance, is actually hatred. I'll explain why to you. Perfect love himself is Jesus, right? And he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. That was perfect love rebuking Peter. If you do not correct sin, and if you do not point out the thing that's destroying somebody, and you just try and love them because of tolerance and because in your heart you have an internal fear you're not willing to deal with, and it's actually a fear of being rejected by people and not being accepted. It's not about love. You're just calling it love, but really it's an internal fear that your love for, per for a person with the truth in there might get you rejected. It may get you rejected, but I want to tell you something. We're following Jesus. We're not following society, and Jesus was rejected by men. And he promised you that if I was rejected, so will you be. 
He promised you. When, it's not our job to try and convince the world to think of God as amazing. He is amazing. Our job is just to, sh- just to open the veil a bit and say, look into my life. Here he is. Here's his heart. Our job is not to change him. He doesn't need changing. We do. You know, he's perfect love. So I want to talk tonight about what real love is for your neighbor. Because the Lord outlined it, and he outlined it in very, very specific and very, very powerful ways. So can you turn with me to Luke chapter 6, and, and then we're going to pray about this. And, but again, the first place of the strength of these messages is knowing God. If you know Jesus, this stuff will flow very easily. Um, I find, though, that there is a message of love that is counterfeit to Jesus' love at the moment. Like I said, it's a message of tolerance. And uh, that's just not love at all. That's, that's a form of self-idealistic, selfish, it's, it's like eros love. It's, it's, I'll tell you what you want to hear so you don't reject me. That is terrible. No one wants to be that person in heaven when we get to judgment day, okay? So uh, let's go to Luke chapter 6, verse 26. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For so did their fathers of the false prophets. Jesus has just said, people are going to attack. If you're the real deal, you won't be spoken well of all the time. But that's amazing because when he said this, he finishes this discourse, and it's the same in Matthew 5. He finishes these discourses about woe to the, you know, woe if you're like this, or, or, or he said, blessed are you if you're like this, right? But he finishes this particular discourse, talking about the rejoicing in the day of of, of trial, the reward's going to be great, etc. He finishes many things. He finishes it with, woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers of the false prophets. And then, straight away, he starts another sentence by saying this, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. Jesus, when he began this conversation about love, in this part, he he tail-ended it or began it with, people are going to hate you because of what I'm about to tell you. But here's your response. Love them anyway. People are going to curse you when you show genuine love to the world, when you speak of my truth, not their truth, my truth. But love them anyway. If people curse you, Bless them. Don't ring five friends and curse five more. Bless them. When people hate you, don't hate back. Don't start a committee of why you shouldn't be hated and why they should be. Don't try and self-justify. Don't try and be your defender. Hallelujah, you've saved me. So much better your way, my defender. You know? Sometimes it'd be amazing if we'd live our doctrinal singing the things that we sing doctrine that we, if we lived it, we'd just be a phenomenal church, huh? Like, you know, I'm no longer a slave to fear. If we just lived that one, that'd be a great starter, I think. But, you know, hallelujah, God, you've saved me. You're my defender. It's the truth is, most of us, because we grew up independently, we think we're our defender. But the truth is, we're not. God is. So he said, if people speak well of you all the time and they never get challenged by you, you're a false prophet. And if you're a false prophet, you're the opposite of love. But if you're true love, you will speak truth because you love people. If you're true love, when you speak truth, it will cause some forms of division, probably in the, in the sense of 
immediate division, but it doesn't mean it will cause people to turn away forever. Some people that you speak the truth to will literally turn to God, be so flipped upside down, their life will become a message because you spoke the truth. I'd like to propose to you that a lot of us don't speak the truth because we think and we're taught that talking about what's true isn't love. We're taught they're separate. They're not separate. Perfect love is a person. His name is Jesus. And when you're so in love with people and so in love with him, you cannot help but tell the truth. And it's not a thing of truth. It's not like a truth thing. It's not some high horse, I'm a truth guy. It's, it's, I, you're underneath someone going, here's the truth that sets you free. Because isn't that what he said the truth should do? It doesn't say the truth should condemn. It says the truth shall set you free. Right. There's a woman who speaks at this pulpit and a phenomenal pastor. She's very powerful, and I admire her greatly. Her name is Pastor Chelsea Hagen. She was saved because someone pointed her in the face and said, you are going to hell. Do you know that? My mom, she spends every weekend of her life at the moment with people who are in all sorts of trans, every sort of life, every witchcraft, all sorts of stuff, man. They are in, my mom, the story she tells me, she regularly leads men to God who have zero clothes on as she's praying for them. Nothing. No clothes. I mean, not even Nothing. I won't, I won't go any further, lest, lest your mind uh, follow, you know. And she tells me, I just felt love for them. I didn't see their body. I didn't see uh, the, the demons in their life. I felt that, that fire <clears throat> that Jeremy Riddle years ago wrote about, the furious love of God. And she comes home with these crazy stories. And then once they receive the Lord, <clears throat> she speaks truth to them and says, leave your demons. She tells them the truth. Some of them don't fully leave, but some of them do. And she loves on these people, man. She doesn't judge them. She loves them. She cares about them. But in her love, she also speaks the truth. My mom, though, that same woman who loves people so well, who's a little bitty woman, tall as a drink of water, but so full of love. And I've watched it grow in her deeper over the years. She used to be a, a bit different five or seven years ago. And it's just growing and growing and growing. But together, truth and love are growing, you know, because they're one. They're the person of grace and truth. He's the fullness of God made flesh. He is Jesus. He's in you. He won't tell you a lie. Yeah, he won't withhold from you something you need to know to prune the branch in order that it might be free of its sickness. He'll prune you to grow you because he loves you. But it's not just so he can tell you the truth, you know. He's not a school teacher. He's the lover of your soul. My mom was sat down by an Anglican pastor when she was living with a guy at 24 years of age. She went to a church. She said, I need your help. She walked in the church. The guy sits there with her. He looks at her and he says to her, and she's living with this hippie, crazy drug, drug dealer guy. And this Anglican minister says to her, who I don't know if he was spirit-filled even. He says to her, you're going to hell. The Lord told me to tell you, you are going to hell. And the way you're living, you cannot be saved. That's what he said to her. He said, you, you cannot be saved. And she said, what? She go, he said, you are living in darkness. You're going to hell. She left the place with an overwhelming sense of grief, extreme grief, so much so that she found a Bible urgently, frantically, went to find a Bible. And when she found that Bible, she searched for days and days about what is salvation, what is sin, why is hell real, and can I be saved? And she found out when she got through to Romans or somewhere, she found that she can be saved. And she gave her heart to the Lord through a guy telling her, you're going to hell. She came back to that Anglican minister. She walked through the door and he goes, oh my goodness, thank you, God. He goes, "Not the Lord's never told me to say that ever in any meeting I've had with any person. 
But the Holy Spirit isn't a doctrine. The Holy Spirit is perfect love, which means he knows what to say when. He knows how to speak the truth in love. What we've done is we've gone, if it's not sounding loving, it's not truth. That's stupid. That's erasing half of Jesus. He said, woe to you when they speak well of you all the time. But then he said this, but when they curse you because you've said something or believe something that they don't agree with. He said this, love your enemies. When they poke, let love squeeze an orange, orange comes out. Squeeze a Christian, Christ, love comes out, right? We all know this one. It's like ABC equals one, two, three, whatever. You know. <laughs> Verse 28, bless those who curse you. How many people bless people that curse them? How many people you have people walk up to you and go, well, I don't like what you said. And, and, like, and they send you a text and they're offended. And you go, you go, oh, man, I just bless them. How many Christians live like that? Oh, there's maybe one hand. I saw one, two, two hands. That's good. That's good. We're about at roughly 0.3% of the church. Good. We're off to a good start. Bless those who curse you. God's been convicting me lately. He's like, Ben, not everyone needs to be like you. That's controlling. Do you get it? Not everybody's going to worship like you do, Ben. That's controlling. Not everybody has to say the same thing you would say. That's controlling. Not everybody's going to act like you act. That's control. You don't have the choice of whether you love someone based on their personality. In other words... God said, love. He said, love even enemies, let alone your brethren. The world will know you're my disciples by your firm judgment of one another. By your love. Right. So when you see someone in worship who's acting a little bit weird and these thoughts come, they're, they're just doing that to get attention. Probably they are. And I used to get critical and the Lord would say, Ben, I know you wouldn't do that. But instead of being critical of them, would you pray for their maturity? Bless those. People are weak. People don't have the right teaching sometimes. People grow up with, you know, I find out some people are so insecure and we can look at them and go, man, they're just doing that to get attention. And we can be so discerning. And then you find out, hey, their dad beat them up for 10 years of their life from zero to 10. Never had a father. And when they did, he locked them in the garage and beat them with a pole. And then you're like, oh, no wonder that they feel like they need to show people they're worth something. Because all their life they were told they weren't. But we don't think like that. Unless you think like Jesus. He sees the end from the beginning. He has a cry of hope for every person. He sees the weakest among them. And it says the weakest among them shall be like David. That's the prophecy about the new covenant church. The weakest among them would be like David. So the Lord began to expand the ten pegs of my heart and say, Ben, when you see someone insecure, pray for their wisdom. Pray for their, their freedom. Pray that I'd prune that lie out of their life. Don't judge them. Bless them. Can you do that? Oh, but they're not like me. Yeah. Many people aren't like you. In fact, no one in the whole world. Jesus isn't like us either. He's sometimes different. But he doesn't judge us. He's slow to anger. Long-suffering. He has a future, a plan, and a hope. Verse 29, to him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. Man, you really hurt me with what you said, but I forgive you. Yeah, but you're an idiot. 
Oh, that was cheek number two. I don't have many left. <laughs> How many believers can respond that way? But you don't get it, what they said. They, they should never have said that. That's why I prophesied over you, that you don't have to receive the words, but you can forgive them. People go, no, I'm not going to receive that. That's wrong. You're not your defender. The Lord was mocked. Can you be mocked? Jesus was mocked. You're in good company when you're mocked. That doesn't mean we should try to be mocked, but we're in good company if we are. <laughs> to him who strikes you on the one cheek, off the other also, from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. If someone takes something from you, an opportunity. I can tell you right now, I preach on some very big stages around the world, like Pastor Alex said before. <clears throat> Sometimes I preach to thousands of people. There's, there's a funny dynamic that can happen. You preach at my conference, I can preach at yours, right? There's a funny dynamic sometimes in ministry. I don't want to get into it because ministry is beautiful. But sometimes in the works of the church, there can be these weird sort of trade-offs. Trade-offs of favor, trade-offs of, um, <clears throat> of exaltation, trade-offs of, yeah, just trade-offs, I call them. But when someone takes something from you, you shouldn't try and get it back. You shouldn't try and fight for your position. You should be willing to take, with something else in your hand, you can take this too. Because nothing means more to me than loving the Lord and loving you. No opportunity means more to me than me becoming loved to you. And sometimes the Lord will strip you. He'll allow people to take something from you so he can actually mature your love for people. Because you're not just loving them based on the opportunities they give to you. I see this all the time in ministry. People love you. I, I've had people, so many people come to me, and I was sitting at a, a dinner table with them and with some famous pastor. It's happened to me many times. And I don't want to paint a bad picture of ministry. Please, not all of the ministries like this. I'm just sharing with you an intimate fact, okay? But don't have a perspective. All oh, these big things are bad. They're not bad. Most people are just trying to pursue God. But sometimes what happens is I've been sitting at a table and I'm wearing my little cool shirt. I'm not wearing my suit or whatever and got my ripped jeans kind of deal and, and stuff. And, and the guy can be talking and he's not even looking at me, not even talking. And I might say something, he'll go like, and he's just continually talking to the famous pastor. And then, and then uh, the pastor goes, do you know Ben? Ben leads awakening. And, and the guy goes, you lead that? All of a sudden he's my best friend. <laughs> Serious. <laughs> Pretty weird. Like, you know why? Because before, something about my nature wasn't good enough for him. It wasn't offering him much. Well, that proves to me he doesn't love his neighbor. He only values people that value him or that can give him something. Well, when someone even takes from you, Jesus said, to give him the rest. That's the opposite way. It's not the way of, of fighting the little, climbing the little Christian ladder of opportunities. Fighting for your place. Orphans fight for their place. Sons know exactly who they are. <clears throat> I'll tell you a story. In Awakening Prague, uh, we had a big stadium, like the biggest meeting they had in 40 years in the whole country. It was rad, you know, thousands of people just going after Jesus. Our team was there and our Awakening team, and, and uh, it was fantastic, and, and it was really, really powerful. The worship particularly was just like the sovereignty of God. Every worship set, some of you were there, were frozen. Yeah, praise God, whatever that was. Oh, thank you, Lord. And that, was, that could have been a large bird or I don't know what that was. <laughs> or someone running at the wrong door or something and it didn't open. But bless that guy. <laughs> he may be on the ground. You might want to go check if he's knocked out or something. Um, <laughs> that was quite loud, huh? So at Awakening, 
uh, this guy, uh, he, he came to the back door. And uh, <laughs> maybe he's here again today. <laughs> I want to check that someone's not manifesting something out there. Come out, in Jesus' name. I mean, just in general, just walk out. Um, there's like six people have gone now. To, it's okay. It's, they're like, we'll carry him out. <laughs> it's like heaps of people have gone now. Oh dear, that's funny. I have a feeling that's actually Zaya, maybe. Potentially. It's, it's Kyle's son, potentially. Um, <laughs> was it him? No, okay, it wasn't. Okay. Sorry, Zaya. I shouldn't have put that on you. Um, <laughs> so this man comes to awakening. And the door's locked. You know, like, sorry, the door's not locked. They have a, they have, we have all these systems and stuff that I don't really understand. But we have a German team, so they're super good at systems and stuff. And, uh, and we need that. I need that because I don't have a clue. And I just say, yeah, sure, just walk in that door and it's not good. So um, they have the systems going. And this guy rocks up and he forgot his band, you know. But he'd given us 100,000 euro as a gift to put the event on. The guy's worth over 100 million euro. The guy's worth a lot, a lot, a lot of money. He's 60-something years of age. He's in this high society thing. And, and anyway, so he gets to the door, and, and these people are like, oh, you don't have a pass, sir. You can't come in. And he politely says, no problem at all. He goes, I'm so sorry. He goes, I, I lost it somewhere. And, and he goes, but I, I'm supposed to be in the VIP guest of honor section. And they said, well, I'm sorry. We, we don't have a, you, you need your pass. What's your name? His name wasn't on the list. I don't know how all this happened, but his name wasn't there. So he politely said, not a problem at all. Thank you so much. And he went to go and just buy a normal ticket to go around the front. And, and the woman stopped him. She said, excuse me, sir. She felt something was different about the way he responded and who he was, the, the way he held himself, the way he just... He's worth a hundred million. He's given us a hundred thousand. But all of a sudden, his little band was taken away, and then he gave his tunic as well. It's like, it's okay. I'm not, he's a son. And they said, Excuse me, are you the man who helped pay for this? And he goes, Well, (laughs) kind of, yes. And they said, Oh, we're sorry. They let him in. He came in. He filled up his little backpack with all these free tickets for awakening. He'd never gone on the streets and preached the gospel before. He went out in the streets with two or three of his friends, 60-something years old, and started handing out to unsaved people free tickets saying, you should come to this stadium event. Very softly spoken man. He walked out there as a servant because a son understands their value. Everybody else, I'm supposed to be in here. You don't understand who I am. I I run three churches. (laughs) Give to the one who takes from you. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about trying to fight for your value. The love of God and the love of people causes you to live differently. You don't live an entitled life. You're willing to give the tunic as well. Verse 30. Give to everybody who asks of you. Oh, that's a big one, huh? Give to everybody who asks of you. I'm going to test this, all right? What do I need right now? I'm just kidding. Give to everybody who asks of you. Oh, that's a very big one. Can I have your iPhone 11? Uh, no. Well, that's not what it says. It says give to them. (laughs) This is love. You know why? Because you don't treasure stuff. You treasure the person. And him who takes away your goods, do not ask for them back. Just as you want men to do to you, you do also likewise to them. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Some of us think we're very loving because we're loving to our best friend. God gives you no credit for that because they love you. 
He says, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to only those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And here's the thing. Jesus didn't stop there. He finished this with putting back the emphasis on what true love does and what the reward of true love is. He says, and your reward will be great. Not meager, not small, but great. The reward of not judging the insecure person who's down here making noise. The reward of, in your mind, pushing that thought away and beginning to pray for her that she would experience the love of Jesus. The reward of talking to the guy who's come back five times in a row and for the last five weeks, he keeps going back to heroin. But the Lord says to you, fight again for him. Pray again, have hope for him again. You know, I was a Christian porn addict and the Lord didn't throw me away. The Lord sent me a person named Frank Clancy. Some of you know that man. I used to ring Frank in tears and I said, Frank, I've looked at pornography and I'm crying. And he said, yeah, mate, but you're crying, aren't you? I said, I am. He said, but you're crying because you don't want to do that anymore. Isn't that right? I said, but Frank, I'm an idiot. You know, look at me. I never get it right. I never, 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 never. I got delivered of a 20 plus year addiction in one day. And Frank never gave up. You know, he never said to me, that's it. That's it. You know. It's different if someone's heart's hard. Like the first scripture I read. That people will hate you for the truth's sake. If someone's heart's hard and they say, I can be a Christian. And I can sleep with whoever I want and do what I want. That's different. Then you might have to speak in a truthful way that offends them and says to them, you're lying to yourself. You left your wife and you think it's fine to just leave her and have adultery in your heart. It's not fine. That's where you need the rod. You need that thing. to That, that thing is there to bring you back to a place of freedom. It's not there to push you down. It's there to smash the enemy off you. It's there to smash the lies off you. And it might hurt because you're connected to the lie. But it's not there to to discipline you away from love. It's there to bring you to the fruit of love. It's there to bring you to freedom. But true love must tell truth. Otherwise, it's not true love. It's just love and it's fake. You know, Todd White was uh, with me recently in um, Ohio. We did a Power and Love conference there about a month and a half ago. And he started speaking in a very strong way against people who have sexual uh, problems in their, confused by their, in their sexuality. He started speaking so openly, straight Bible. And you know what? I was so thankful. You could hear a pin drop. Uh, everybody was like this, like, hang on, are we allowed to speak about this, the Bible anymore? It's so stupid. So stupid how much fear is around the subjects that the Word of God has always spoken for thousands of years. And you know what? Todd just hit it, and he hit it, and he hit it, and he hit it. He hit it over and over again. Todd is like love on legs. The guy is so loving. He'll spend hours with people after the meeting, hugging them, holding them. I've watched him. I've stayed in hotels with him. He's a very close friend. I've watched him praying for the unsaved. I've watched his life. He's love. And love doesn't withhold the truth. People came up, and that night they were delivered of demons that were confusing them in the sexual stuff. But he had the courage to actually quote God rather than just make sure the crowd loves him. Do you understand? Love, love is truth, 
But love is always hopeful that the truth would set the person free. And if the person condemns you and hates you because of the truth, then the response that Jesus said was to love your enemy and turn the other cheek. Okay. Love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and here's the best part, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Can you believe the God we serve? He's kind to the who? And evil. Man, I've met some evil people. I've met some people, I'm like, man, you are dark stuff. Wickedness. Carousing. Looking at how they can deceive somebody out of all their finances and looking at how they can destroy, you know, going into like people that are invading people's homes, doing home raids. Right now they're doing that. They bash people in Sunbury who are 80 years of age. Evil. God is kind to them. It's a trip, isn't it? Such a trip because it's so far from what we are sometimes. Does that mean God avoids justice? No, God is justice. Does that mean if, if they died tonight, they'd just go to heaven because God is, is kind? No, they'd go to hell because they chose hell. They chose sin over Jesus. But if they were to meet Jesus and be face to face with him, he would be kind to them. He'd probably say to them something along the lines of what he told a guy called Joshua Blayu. Excuse me for the words I'm about to say, but this is the truth. There's a man named General, excuse me for these words. There's a man named General, butt naked. I'm sorry for the word, but that's true. Hey, Zaya. <laughs> hey. High five? High five? Cool. High five. Yeah. High five. Bam. Good job. Good boy. What's that? God? God? He's there? God. Praise God. Awesome. Ado's <laughs> drums. Yes. He said Ado's drums. True. True. Very true. I used to know this pastor when children would interrupt him, he would get angry at them. You've heard me say this before at church. He would get, get that kid out of here. Anger. That's not the love of God, is it? You see, when you're in love with Jesus, those buttons, they start to dissipate. They start to, to, to leave. The, the judgment of people, particularly, of like, they should be more like this. We stop thinking we're everybody's shepherd, and we remember that he's the disciple maker. We're part of the process as under shepherds. We stop trying to control. Control doesn't mean like, you do what I say. Control can just be the way we have a lens on that everyone has to behave. You know? Now, holiness, they have to be holy. If you're in this room and you're a Christian and you're living in darkness, I want to tell you, friend, you can't be in fellowship with God and be unholy. God it may be kind to you, but he won't be close to you. There's a difference. You wouldn't want God to be kind from a distance, although his kindness does want to bring you in. But if you're unholy, you live in sexual sin with your girlfriend or you do this stuff with other things or you constantly lie and you constantly swear and you're constantly just downplaying Jesus and turning the volume down on his purity to try and make Jesus in your image, you can't have him. I'm not talking about, you know, us just having this love that just, you know, just doesn't talk about these things. I'm talking about a love that is so confronting that it makes you choose real love. It shows the fake love for what it is. It's fake to have love that actually causes you to be insecure. 
causes you to need people's validation. So anyway, this guy called General Butt Naked, he killed 20,000 children. I'm sorry to tell you this story in one way because it's very grieving. He killed 20,000 children. You can watch the documentary on YouTube. It's called that because that's what he was. Vice News went to Liberia. He was a Liberian warlord. They went there to film his life. Vice News usually finds the weirdest stories in the world and, and they film them. And they found about, out about this man named Joshua Blayu. And all the generals back then had names like Rambo and they just chose names out of movies and stuff. The reason they called him that weird name is because his 20,000, sorry, uh, 10,000 child soldiers or however many there were, they, they used to fight with no clothes on. So they'd have a machine gun AK-47s and, and they would fight with no clothes on. And he was the warlord of a child soldier army. And uh, they'd killed 20,000 other kids, you know, young people and people, normal people as well. And the whole of Liberia was in a civil unrest, massively. It was huge. It was very, very bad. It uh, lasted quite a while. And, uh, and the whole nation, when you watch the documentary, you realize it was totally ravaged. You know, they just ripped the nation apart. And uh, this man, you know, he was known as the one who fought naked and stuff and just openly, like, just killing people in the streets. 20,000 deaths in, in his credit, uh, which is not a credit to anybody, but that's who he was. He was very feared. And the other reason why he was feared is because he was called the cannibal warlord. They would take a child and they would, uh, and they would eat it. And they would do that to bring strength to them. They thought it brought strength. Well, one day in the middle of the war, he came out of his bunker and they showed the bunker area where he was and where that kind of whole area was. And all the, the people, they, they did a, a sac human sacrifice thing and then they went to go out to fight. And as they went out, uh, these kids started running out with the soldiers and guns and everything. And as they were running out, he was kind of behind. He's the general. So he's more protected, etc. He gets out there and all of a sudden this white light just hits him, shines in his face. And, and he's like, and all of a sudden a voice speaks to him. Joshua, out of the, the white light. And then he sees in the white light a man. And I think you know who he is. And he says, Joshua. And he says, who are you? And he says, I am Jesus. And he says, and he, he said something to him. I can't remember exactly. He said, um, he called him by his full name. And then he said, I am Jesus Christ. And he said, no, and then he said, yeah, he said, come, follow me. And then he said to him, he goes, this is my, this is the response of a wicked man. He goes, I am the king. This is his arrogant, prideful response in response to a eye-open vision of Jesus. Can you believe this? You would think you'd just fall and go, I surrender, whatever. But this is what he said to Jesus. He said, I am a king. He said, I am the king of this area. Machine gun in hand, children everywhere. I'm the king. He's saying this in front of Jesus, physically talking to Jesus face to face. He's kind to the ungodly, but he's perfect truth, isn't he? So he said this to him. He said, Joshua, you are right. You are called to be a king. You're called to be a king. He told him like, guys killed 20,000 people he's like you're right you are actually called to reign in life I'm the king of kings you're called to be a king he called out his future can you believe that and then he said this to him though he's still truth isn't he he said to him repent and follow me or die and then he disappeared repent and follow me or die who knows that the Lord didn't know that day he was going to get one in the head
Who knows that the Lord didn't know that that was the day he would actually get shot in the war. Repent and follow me or die. That doesn't sound very loving. But it came from perfect love who said you're called to be a king. You see, it's the fullness of grace and truth. But grace and truth tells the truth without throwing somebody away. He didn't go, you've killed 20,000 people. There's no hope for you. He said, you're called to be a king. The guy lost it. The guy is now a traveling evangelist. It became such a powerful thing that changed in his life. So powerful. Like what Kanye West's, his, his transformation's happening. It's become so powerful that it's catching everybody's attention. It caught the whole of the Liberian government, media's attention, and they cleared him for 20,000 murders. As long as, they told him, as long as you preach the gospel, you continue what you're doing. So now, all the people who are his soldiers are now soldiers for Christ. Wow. Therefore, verse 36, therefore be merciful, just as your father is also merciful. We have to be people of the journey, not people of the moments of failure. We have to be bigger on the inside because of our love for God. We have to reflect correctly the love he has for people. And love sometimes is a warning call that they're going to die. And other times it's a, I'll be there again next week when the heroine's in their arm. It's mercy to some. It's the fires of hell to others. It's perfect in its application. And love itself can only be truly applied when you're in love with love, who is Jesus. You can't apply the truth of how love operates unless you're actually close to the, the source. Otherwise, it becomes legalistic. Otherwise, it becomes like, oh, we just love everything. We cover everything. That's not love. That's a lie. You would never do that for your children. You just put your hand on the hot plate. Do what you want. You would never do that to your children. You'd be deceiving yourself if you did that. And love also isn't, you deserve the hot plate. Love is, hey, come here. There's a better way. It's mercy and truth. It's a full picture. I want to propose to you that the Lord tonight wants to deposit something in your heart. And we're going to have a, a fire tunnel, but we're going to do a love tunnel because I want the Lord to blast you. And Pastor uh, Alex was right. We're going to dance. We're going to be joyful. We're going to have a wild time. We did this in, uh, in um, Russia. We did a joy tunnel in Russia. You should have seen it, man. I mean, in Russia, of all places, we did this joy tunnel. It went bananas. I mean, absolutely crazy. I've never seen God just smash people everywhere. Like, they were just all over the place. So we're going to do that tonight. But I want to ask you something. If Jesus was to stand next to you, do you think your love would be mature? I would say mine's not. Do you think yours would be mature? I'm talking to you from a position of, I'm, I'm preaching to you from a position of conviction, not from a position of having this together. I'm, I'm preaching to you because I'm in this with you. And I hope that my being in it with you might convince you to go further with the Lord. I want to tell you that our thoughts are a gateway of where the decision to love people starts. Our thoughts. And tonight, I feel like the Lord just wants to subtract from some of you this unrighteous judgment and replace it with right judgment. And right judgment isn't afraid of truth. Again, like I said, I keep saying that because there's been so many people who have said to me, but people are forgiven anyway. No, they're not. People weren't, he wasn't forgiven, Joshua Blayu, of his 20,000 murders. He said, you're going to die if you don't repent. You know, he wasn't forgiven yet, but he, God wanted him to be. But I want to ask you that, that something, God, you would allow maybe the Lord to do something in the intimacy that he has with you 
that it wouldn't just be a love that you love your Christian friends or you love those who love you. You would love different people. On my team in Germany, I have high-level administrators. They think nothing like me, but they think like him still. They still think like him in a different way of the diamond that I probably can't understand fully. We need prophets who warn the church. Not People don't like them. People prefer people who all their message is just hope and everything. But we need prophets who warn the church. Can you love God's prophets? Can you love God's prophets who warn people about the dangers to come? Why don't we love them? We only love what we like. And what I want God to do in me and in you tonight is to stop loving what you want to love and actually let him change your heart and mind to love what he loves. Have the perspective he has to think about people how he thinks about them. And that's what I want to pray for us tonight. And then we're going to go through this love, joy, crazy, whatever tunnel. But before I pray that, would you just bow your heads for a moment? Because I want to pray for you. Before I pray that, I want, to, um, I want to just also say this. I feel like there's a couple of people here that they're, uh, they don't know God yet. And you may, you may have been brought here by a friend. You're like, man, what are these people doing? They're worshiping, jumping for Jesus and singing, uh, give us a love revival. <laughs> you know, it sounds a bit hippie-like, doesn't it? It's, it kind of is. <laughs> um, we are hippies, man. We're crazy in love with Jesus. We're, we're, free, we're seekers. We're free people. We're a tribe of people who want to be free. We don't want the earth to make us who we are. We want God to make us. But, you know, some of you are here and you have emptiness. You don't have love in you. You struggle. You fill yourself with other things. You have a void in you. That void was never meant to be there, to be sustained by yourself. It was never meant so you could go down to some strip club and, and have to go there because everything's so chaotic and, and you just have to be fed by that. Or to go to the bottle and put it, that thing down your neck every night of the week because you have to be fed by that. The love of God was given to us and demonstrated to us through the cross of Calvary, through the blood of Jesus, through him dying for us. And he literally loves you enough to die for you and stands at the gates of hell and sin with his arms out and says, over my dead body. He wants you to choose him. Tonight you're on God's calendar. You're not here by accident. God placed you here. And you know in your own heart that something is missing inside. The Lord can fill what's missing. If you'd open your heart to him, not looking into religious, dead old things, dead works. That's not what I mean. But looking into God, maybe there is a you. Maybe you are real. Maybe tonight I'm not here by mistake. It's no coincidence. I want to tell you that Jesus loves you. And that your sins, your failures, your mistakes, the hurt you've caused others, the hurt you've caused yourself. He died for that hurt. He died for your sins. The Bible says, if you repent, turn away from your sin. <clears throat> you'll be forgiven. God wants to forgive you. The question is, will you fear what people think? Or will you try and keep doing it in your own strength? Will you try and keep living a life where you know it's up and down like a yo-yo? You feel good, you feel bad? Or will you actually let God come into your world, the God who made you, who knows how to fix you? I pray in the name of Jesus, Father, that every person in this room that you've appointed to be saved in this moment would forget what anyone thinks of them in this room and that they'd listen to the knocking on the heart door, the knocking on the door of their heart. And that's, I'm talking to you, that God is speaking to you. 
and they'd listen and they'd respond because they know they're not right with Jesus. And maybe you used to believe in him as a kid and, and now you've gone to other things and sin and other ways and you still maybe call yourself a Christian, but you don't live for Christ. Your life isn't given to God. Or you've never met him and someone brought you here tonight. Listen, man, life is not guaranteed to us, but this moment is. And Jesus is here and he's saying, you're called to be a king. You're called to be free. Repent and turn to me. If that is you in this room, everyone's eyes are closed. Put your hand up if you need to be saved. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this and other resources and information, go to our website, firechurch.com.au.